1: What's going on, everybody? I am the Spittin' Statistician Dane Martinez, and this is another edition of the Action Network's podcast series, The Experts' Guide. This time, we are betting soccer, or football, or international football, whatever you want to call it. I've got the best guys here to discuss how to win some money. My guys, BJ Cunningham, and of course, Anthony DeBundo. How are you guys doing?
2: doing great it's and we have a new soccer season on the horizon and I'm I'm really
1: excited to sit here and talk about soccer absolutely absolutely so here's the first thing what is it exactly that makes you an expert in betting soccer like what are kind of some of the bumps you've taken some of the things you've understood how what's your background in betting football
2: yeah, so I started betting soccer and really every sport in about 2011 when I was a freshman in college. You know, I wasn't honestly a big soccer fan at that time, but I lit. I played a ton of FIFA on my Xbox. I lived <laughs> across from two guys who were on the soccer team at my college, so I kind of started watching Premier League, started watching Champions League, and I just really kind of fell in love with it. And then from there, you know, nat- my natural progression translated to betting it. And then you know, over the years, I've learned more and more about the advanced analytics of soccer, which have now grown into this big thing. And really have shown that it using these things can be profitable to help betting soccer. So I guess, you know, I, I have a little of, over a decade of experience betting soccer. I've been through, you know, a lot of different things when betting the sport. And right. truly, it is a lot of fun and torturous at the same time.
1: Anthony, what about you? Like, how did you get into betting soccer, which is obviously not necessarily one of the big main four sports here in the States, but still has money to be made?
3: Yeah. I mean, I have been a soccer fan since about 2012, 2013 as well. When I was a wee young lad Uh, and I watched it throughout high school and started betting it then. And now I'm, you know, went through college. And what was cool about it was that, you know, you get to college and you're like, okay, there's a ton of people in this kind of age group, this twenties, thirties age group that really loves European soccer and they're getting more and more into it. And that's why it's growing so much. And so I've been betting other sports before that. I started betting NFL, college basketball. Those are my first true loves uh, in betting. But I kind of broke into soccer and started betting it every Saturday. And it's, it's, it's be- the beauty of it for the American viewer is that if you're a huge football fan and you want to bet football, American football, on Saturday and Sunday afternoons, well, you don't have to wait until 12, 1 o'clock to start watching sports right. betting on them. You get the morning action. I'm up at 7 every weekend watching games sometimes earlier, getting ready to, you know, go through the games. Uh, And so it's a lot of fun. And I've been betting it regularly for about five years now. And, you know, as I've become a bigger and bigger fan, I've broken more into the other leagues beyond the premier league in Europe, like the Bundesliga Syria that we talk about in our podcast.
1: Strawberries and cream in the mornings with Anthony Bunda. All right, so you guys are talking about, you know, kind of your history with it, how you've been interested in international soccer for a decade plus, but can someone who is more inexperienced, relatively new and green, actually become good at betting, doing things, you know, besides just betting the draw every single time, BJ?
2: Absolutely. I think uh, like any sport, it takes time and you need to actually sit down and learn about the sport itself. So you need to learn about, some of the advanced analytics that guys like us or many other betters out there use like expected goals to Hmm. learn truly about these teams. You need to get to know them. You need to get to know their rosters. You need to, I mean, it's, it's very similar to betting NFL. You know, you wouldn't just, come into betting NFL and you say, all right, I'm going to take the favorite." No, you want to get to know the teams. You want to know how they are. There's statistics behind it. It's the same thing in soccer. So getting to know the teams, getting to know the format of soccer, it's a low scoring, you know, type of event, type of sport. So a lot of people can see that as boring. So it's a lot of a different style of betting rather than like basketball and football when you're betting spreads. But yes, you can become a good soccer better. You just have to take the time to learn the sport and learn
1: the analytics behind it. Hey, Anthony, you know, one of the things BJ said is you got to know the teams, got to know the players. And I got to tell you the truth. As someone who's trying to keep up with international soccer, I mean, I got players being sold on loan, playing for their club, playing for their country. It's a lot to keep up with. Like, how do you actually learn the teams, learn the styles when there's so much movement going around and people playing in tournaments that aren't really even part of the season as well?
3: Yeah, I think that's the hardest thing that I come across when I teach or or talk up to, you know, the new soccer fan. They're like, okay, I get that there's like the Premier League, but like, what is the Champions League? And how do you get into that? And like, okay. do they do it at the same time? And then, you know, the FA Cup, like, what is that? And so I, you know, trying to explain, you know, okay, the Premier League is, is just English teams, and then the best English teams play the best German, Italian, Spanish teams. And then, but they also in the middle of the season will have like a knockout tournament like a March Madness style field right. where they'll just play other teams so that that is a challenge and then a, they have the challenge. NIT in the form of the Europa yeah they do exactly and so in the CBI and you
2: know, the Europa Conference League yes
3: they they've got it all uh, and that's really the beauty of it there are always games on and and that's what i you know always say too you know it's a monday a tuesday wednesday afternoon there's almost always soccer on during the season uh, and so you know just immerse yourself in it find people on twitter who you no follow the sport Twitter accounts that are active and, and can update you on transfers. Somebody like our good friend, Fabrizio Romano, uh, you know, follow the injury reports that are coming out every day, follow, you know, who's getting sold where and, and, uh, and watch and listen, you know, and, and you can learn a lot pretty quickly, I think, but it is a lot to keep up with across the main five leagues in Europe just alone. That's, that's uh, quite a bit of teams. So you're looking at, you know, almost hundred teams.
1: Fair enough. And when you're looking for sources, definitely be sure to check out the Action Network's podcast, Wonder Goal, with these guys and Liebhoff twice a week to get some of that information to be kind of as up on it as possible. So, BJ, let me ask you, when you're kind of getting ready to start a season, whether it's Bundesliga, La Liga, a certain tournament that you may want to bet on, what are some of the foundational kind of pillars and cornerstones when you're trying to bet soccer?
2: Yeah. So the biggest thing when you're coming up on a new season is the transfer activity. Cause you know, we, we hear about the big name signings for, you know, club like Erling Holland going to Manchester city, but we don't necessarily hear the big names that are the big signings that mine for salt, smaller clubs that actually have just as big of a difference on how they're going to perform this next season as Manchester city is going to perform. So for me, going into a season, I always have, okay, what did they do last year? What are their you know, expected goal differential? And then I'm going through each team. Okay, who, did, who came in? Who went out? Does that help them? Does that hurt them? And then you also have to take into account managerial changes because those happen throughout the middle of the year. So I have to look at a team's prior year data and I have to say, okay, is this indicative of how this team is actually going to be going forward or do I need to adjust it for only the time that this manager was in charge? So it's for me, it's a never ending process of trying to prepare, trying to adjust teams, trying to see, OK, for like, for example, this new season, we have Nottingham Forest coming in and yeah. they, you know, projected if they didn't make any signings, they'd be the worst team in the Premier League. But they signed 10 guys, you know, they they splash cash and everything like that. So now I have to take that into account and say, OK, well, they're going to be better than, you know, I would expect them to be without those signings. So for me, it's a never ending process of. Looking at the prior data, trying to make adjustments and then the transfer activity of who's in, who's out. Does that hurt or does that help that team?
1: Anthony, what about you? Are those some of the same things you're looking at when we start a season or even getting into a tournament that may be something you want to bet on?
3: Yeah. And I think you know, there's no better example. You know, BJ mentioned the off-season summer transfers it's, it is part art, part science. You know, we don't have data on these teams. We don't know the individual impact of one player. And we don't know, okay, Forrest just signed this new striker from the Bundesliga. He had good numbers there. Do we think it translates to the premier league? It may not like, you just don't know. And I think that's the biggest thing. Whereas, you know, in the NFL, for example, you can look at a player like AJ Brown and say, he did this for the Titans. We expect it, you know, the same league. He'll probably do something similar for the Eagles. And you can kind of project that, but the leagues are so different in quality that it's, it is a little bit difficult. And the managers change tactics styles, you know, a team last year in Germany was one of the best defensive teams in Europe. Two years ago, they got a new manager. They were playing a different style. It didn't work. They were giving up goals left and right. And, you know, it took a while for us to be like, okay, we need to readjust our priors on this team. So there is an art and there is a science to it. There's no exact way to say summer transfers are going to do this or that. And and international tournaments are even harder, I think, because you have so little data on these teams. They play, you know, a dozen games a year. There's different lineups and different yeah. co- competitive levels to it. So it, it is hard. Uh, but I think, you know, you can generally use the, the science as a guide and then, you know, put some artful tweaks on it in a way.
1: yeah yeah, absolutely action networks experts guide to betting here we're talking international soccer and like i always say we're not just giving you a fish we are teaching you how to fish here my guys bj cunningham and anthony DeBundo. okay like this is something i honestly want to understand because there are so many elements of betting soccer that are unique to soccer i'd love to get your thoughts on some of them like for example in most sports that we bet there's only two outcomes right one team can win or another team can win but in soccer, there is that third outcome of the draw and three-way action makes it crazy. I see on my bet slip sometimes where both teams can be plus money. So I have to understand that. And to me also, the schedule is so important in soccer. We've talked about it a little bit before, a team may be playing in their league and in another tournament. And then even in tournaments, you have the home and home, the two leg aggregate. And I think there's some amazing opportunities going into that second leg, already knowing a little bit about maybe the style some teams may play if it's already 3-1. So BJ, what are some of these kind of things that are unique to soccer? And please, shed some light on the draw and the two leg aggregate.
2: Yeah. So the draw obviously makes things really interesting with international soccer. You know, you can obviously have, there's many different ways you can bet it. You know, you can bet teams, you know, to draw no bet. You can bet them to either win. And if they draw, then you basically get a push. They, you know, you can bet their spread. You can, There's so many different ways you can bet on soccer and what's unique. Like you mentioned is teams are playing so many matches throughout a season. You know, you have a team, they might be playing a you know a Premier League match on a Sunday, then yeah. a Champions League match on a Wednesday, and then another Premier League match on a Saturday. So it makes it even harder to try and predict lineups of, okay, if, for example, Manchester City has a big match on Sunday, a huge Champions League match on Wednesday, and then they're wow. playing Bournemouth on Saturday, are they going to rest, guys? Are they going to play the backups, try to give them some rest? Because the next week, they got the exact same schedule. They got three matches. So it makes a... Very unique and difficult to try to predict who, who they're going to play, who they're not. But it also gives you an advantage for some of the smaller clubs, you know, if, if they are playing some of the backups from some of these bigger clubs. So it's very challenging. It's an exhausting process of trying to keep up with everything, trying to figure out injuries, trying to figure out, all right, who's in, who's out. But you know what? It's all fun.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Anthony, what about you? I mean, the draw, I always joke with people, just bet the draw all the time. Is that something that could actually be a strategy in certain elements? What about some of these things? And then also, you know, you got times where it's 10 against 11. And in the NHL, I know that moves the live line real quick when a team goes on a power play. What about having to play for 68 more minutes down a man? Talk to me, Anthony.
3: Yeah, my friends and I call it the red of death. Uh, anytime. And you just don't want red cards in your games. I, I mean, of course, unless the team you bet on is playing off a man, but totals get thrown out of whack, you know, games can be, can be swung on red cards. Uh, and, and a lot of times, you know, it's, it's a fluke play that didn't really impact the game. You know, a guy made a dumb tackle in the middle of the pitch. Right. So you're like, that didn't really impact the game, but yeah, I mean, it's a dangerous tackle. You got to go. So uh, you know, the red cards are an interesting challenge. The draws are also interesting. If you listen to our podcast, BG and I don't bet draws particularly often, but our, our colleague Michael loves a good draw, especially when you get a low total. So you'll get games lined at two, two and a quarter, uh, and you'll see the draw is still, you know, over plus 200. And we found in our Bet Labs data that in the Premier League, when you have a low total, that you tend to increase your chance of getting a draw. Of course, that's somewhat priced in, but it tends to not be priced in quite enough. So there is some value in betting draws. Generally, when the total is low, you have two low event teams who uh, play maybe a more defensive style. Not necessarily when you have two even teams, you you won't necessarily get a more likely to get a draw there. Uh, and, And also, you know, when you have, you know, a really big time team, say like Manchester City is playing a Crystal Palace Palace may not be playing for the win necessarily. They'll be playing out for the point. And so your, your goals of the teams are not necessarily aligned at the end. You have a Palace team who's not trying to win. They're trying to draw. And those are kind of situations where you can, uh, you know, maybe, you know, if you can get lucky enough for the first hour in the last 30 minutes, you can cash a, you know, plus 400 on a draw or something. Uh, and then the other the other unique thing about soccer is, is Asian lines, Asian handicap lines,
1: the Asian teams will
3: be laying a goal in a quarter uh, and, and 2.75 will be the total. And people are like, what what is that? Uh, and so what it is, if you bet over 2.75 goals, let's say you put $50 on it over 2.75 goals, you get $25 on over two and a half, $25 on over three. It splits your bet on each side of it so that if the game ends on three goals, You don't win the whole bet. You only win half the bet. And the same works in the opposite direction for unders and for spreads. And that's another thing that I think people don't understand too much when it comes to being new to betting soccer is, is those Asian lines and handicaps.
1: Hey, BJ, what would you describe as kind of like the ideal betting opportunity if we are betting football? Like you see maybe a team that has something to play for, even maybe to avoid getting relegated or something like that later in the season. I mean, Anthony mentioned kind of when the team's objectives may misalign with what, you know, your knee jerk reaction would be to betting the game. So where are some ideal opportunities for the novice soccer bettor?
2: Yeah. So for me, it's an underperforming team going against a drastic overperforming team. What I mean by that is one of the biggest metrics and widely available metrics in soccer now that I know me and Anthony both use to model these games is expected goals. And basically what that is, is they use historical data that from wherever the shot is taken on the field, whether it be a header from the foot, from your knee, whatever it is using all that historical data, it says, all right, Regardless of what happens on that shot, it has this percentage chance of going in and we aggregate that over a match and over a season and everything. So we can figure out teams that are creating a ton of great chances, but just aren't scoring or teams that, you know, for example, are this last past season wolves, you know, they were on paper, a pretty good defensive team, but if you look at their expected goals, they outperformed it by about 20 goals. Like they just got incredibly lucky. So we can figure out those teams that had are due for positive aggression or are due for negative aggression. And when we get a team that's massively due for negative aggression versus a team that has a ton of positive aggression and you come together, well, that's my ideal scenario of, of wanting to place that bet. And that's usually when I go big, you know, we get a couple opportunities that throughout the premier league and other, uh, the other five leagues in Europe. But for me, that is my ideal betting scenario.
1: Anthony, what are you hunting for? You know, I talked about times where the team's goals may be misaligned late in a season with promotion and relegation up for grabs. What are some of the, you know, situations, contexts, trends that you're looking at?
3: Yeah, BJ talked about expected goals. I won't go too deep into that again, but what I'll say about expected goals is that in the long term, and they are in an overall bigger stretch of matches, they are more predictive than goals themselves uh, because finishing, the act of actually kicking the ball into the net tends to vary quite a bit over the course of a season, but the act of creating chances getting into those positions is much more stable, much more predictive. And that's why we like expected goals. It's not perfect. It has flaws, but for what we have right now, it's, it's much better than anything else. Um, there's other stuff, you know, in, in the build up to creating chances that teams do that we look at as well. But for, in terms of betting opportunities, there's a couple I wanted to touch on. One of them happens at the end of every season, like clockwork, you'll get, team a needs to win right playing they need to win this match to get into the champions league uh and the line they're they're playing a team that has nothing on the line you know their their season's over they're safely in the mid table and the team that needs to win will get juiced up incredibly high overpriced uh the reality is yes there are teams who will play somewhat worse toward the end of the season when they have nothing on the line and there are teams who when they're in the relegation battle will play marginally better, generally speaking, but we're still talking about bad teams here. We're still talking about relative to the price being very overvalued. And so that creates a ton of really good betting opportunities in the month of May, where you get a team who should not be as big of a favorite as they are laying huge spreads, huge goals, overinflated totals. All of that uh, is, is a really big one. Uh, And I think that's one of the best opportunities. And the other one is overreaction to lineups like, Yes, there are players who move needles. You know, if Mo Salah is not playing for Liverpool, that is a big loss, but you'll see a ton of late steam on games off of a couple of average to above average players being out. And I generally think there's a lot more that goes into a soccer team than one or two midfielders being out. And I think you can kind of overreact to that. And that's really one of the other unique challenges is trying to say, okay, what is this midfielder worth? We, we generally know strikers because we can look at their expected goals, their goals totals, but defenders, midfielders, wingers, it's harder to quantify what they're really worth. And I think sometimes you'll see the market, you know, you'll be looking at a game and a team will get steamed from minus 120 to minus 170 in the hour before the game. I generally would say much more often than not, you're better off fading that line move. If it, you know, depending on where your price point is, you're better off going against that than trying to follow the steam on a certain team in that situation.
1: Or then again, those could be times to bet the draw, my friend. Exactly, yes, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to get you guys betting draws one way or another, but let me get you out of here, guys, on this. You know, two of the things that have really grown recently in the sports investing world are betting props and, of course, betting live. What does that look like when we're talking about international soccer? Is it anytime goal scorers? Is it totals on things like saves or corners or cards? time of first goal? What are some of those prop markets that you like when betting soccer? And then BJ, how do you bet soccer live? Because when I'm watching games as a novice, it seems like the commentators always know like who's dominating the flow of action or a team that's quote unquote knocking on the door and is going to score a goal in the next 10 minutes. Do you factor those things in when betting live and betting soccer props?
2: Yeah. So first with props, I know the most popular and the prop that you know, me and Anthony both like is both teams to score yes or no. I think it's one of the easiest props for a novice better to get in on very simple. Are both teams going to score or not? You know, I think that's <laughs> one of the easiest ones for people to grasp. You know, you obviously have anytime goal scorers and everything like that. I generally think those are our minus EV uh, type bets. Um, usually those are a little overinflated for, you know, the, the number one striker on the team for like a Korean yeah, Benzema yeah. for real Madrid he's usually one way markets too. Yeah. Can I ask you
1: something to follow up on that? One, uh, Someone who I do respect their opinion said, if you know the person who is going to take kind of a penalty kick for that team, you're also getting baked in kind of, you know, any foul that's ca- that happens in the box. It doesn't even have to be against him. You know, he could still wind up being the guy mm-hmm. who steps up to the point and getting a goal that way. Does that factor in? How do you quantify something like that when you're looking at, say, a prop for an anytime goal scorer?
2: Yeah. I mean, you could definitely factor in that. He's going to be the penalty taker for the match, but I know Anthony, you know, can agree with this, but penalties are generally random. You know, they're not really predictive. You know, you can depend on the referee might be more in tone of giving, or, you know, might actually have a better chance of giving a penalty versus not, but we really it's, there's nothing predictive about whether a team's going to give away or penalty or not. You know, obviously if you're in the other team's box for 75 minutes of the match, yeah, you have a better chance of, you know, them fouling you and you taking a penalty, but in general, I really don't factor that into an anytime goal score, and you know, for from a live standpoint, I mean, there's a bunch of different ways you can play it live, and you know, I already mentioned expected goals. You know, for resources like like Infogold.net, who has live expected goal tracking throughout a match, you know, you can see how well a team is at creating chances versus how many chances they're giving up. So you can have a situation where a team has you know 1.7 uh, expected goals to a team who has 0. 0.1, and that team that has 0. 0.1 might just take a shot from outside the box, might deflect off a defender and go in. And that's a situation where you can grab the other team live and you can say, all right, well, this team is completely dominating the match. So Mm. I'm going to go and to buy this other team live because they're going to continue to create create chances at the other end. Also, knowing the styles of play with certain teams is very important. You know, if you have a team like, for example, Atletico Madrid, who plays very conservative, very defensive, is basically only playing for a 1-0 win. Well, if they go up one nothing, right? generally you don't want to bet on them to, to run the score up because they're probably just going to park the bus and try to see it out one nothing. So knowing the styles of teams is very important and also knowing how teams are creating chances throughout a match. If they are completely dominating a match and the other team scores, then that's a good opportunity to get in and buy it live. And also live unders are another big thing that me and Anthony both like to do. You know, you might have a team that just scores on their first two shots from outside the box, very low percentage chances, But for whatever reason, they go in and you can get a total at, you know, three, four goals sometimes and get tremendous value on a game that we already projected that's going to go most likely going to go under. So those are some some live opportunities, but generally it's just trying to go against what's happening in the match.
1: Yeah. What, What about you, Anthony? You know, I hear these terms park the bus, right? I hear these terms when a team gets a goal, quote unquote, against the run of play and what kind of opportunity that can be. Anthony, are those things you're also looking for live? And are there any props you'd like to bet?
3: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I definitely agree with with that, with everything BJ said pretty much. And, and what you'll see is that the market will sometimes overreact to a team dominating a match as well. You know, if a team is holding a ton of the possession and maybe looking like, oh, they have so much possession, they're getting a lot of low-quality shots, but they never really look like they're going to break through. You'll, you'll see the live market will overreact to the actual chances of them scoring a goal, and maybe you could bet the other way. That is a little dangerous because as time passes, of course, the odds of a team going and scoring the goal and winning the game will decrease. Your odds of the draw increase at hey. that point. Um, but, yeah, I think that's one, one angle. And like BJ said, you know, if a team, especially true when you have a team who is due to regress, you'll have a team who's... In their last 10 games, they've had 10 expected goals. They've scored 20 goals off it. They're running really hot, and they score early again. What we know in the long term is that teams with their expected goal totals and their actual goal totals will tend to even out, and so you just know that the regression is coming. doesn't mean it's going to come in the next 80 minutes. doesn't mean it's going to come in the next two games, but in the long run, more often than not, there are teams who defy logic, but more often than not, teams will regress back toward their means uh, and – You know, it can be dangerous early in the season because you don't know what those means really are. But once you get a pretty good read on a team, especially certain managers, like BJ said, that will play differently with leads, uh, you you can kind of adjust uh, on the fly there.
1: All right, so there you have it. Thank you, guys, for first of all, making me a little bit sharper when it comes to betting soccer, football, and international soccer because I was just betting the draw. So now I'm going to bet a couple of more things. Remember, you can hear more from these guys on the Wonder Goal podcast twice a week when it's going on in season. Get that EPL La Liga Bundesliga edge. I'm Dane Martinez. For my guys, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. this has been another edition of of the Expert's Guide to Betting. Be sure to download the Action Network app. Be sure to subscribe to the Action Network YouTube channel, unless, of course, you are allergic to money. We'll see you next time, guys.